record a little bit at the beginning of this week's uh, episode um, because the the recording that we made on Sunday um, only started about two or three minutes into uh, the talk. So I thought I'd just kind of give some context for what was said before that. Um, so we talked, I shared a little bit of a story um, uh, about my other job. I work at a wonderful community cafe called Roots and we have a, this we have this um, refill shop, a plastic free refill shop out the back called Roots Refills and um, we, st- we set that up about three or four months ago and it's been really good fun um, but I was working behind the counter one day um, and a customer came and just simply wanted to pay for their shopping with cash. Nothing strange or weird about that except for the fact that it, that is absolutely my worst nightmare. I'm just so bad at doing maths in my head and trying to work out people's change is just it's it's I find it almost impossible but the point being that whilst I was um whilst I kind of got handed this 10 pound note and had to figure out whatever the change was um I just heard this really loud voice in my head just saying you can't do this there's just no way you can work out this change and no matter how hard I tried to kind of push that voice aside and silence it it was just I just couldn't I just couldn't think past it. It was so loud in my head. And I um, I told the story of the very embarrassing truth that I ended up actually guessing what the customer's change was and obviously got it wrong uh, and then ended up uh, guessing it again because I was just so flustered. So our poor customer had to literally uh, walk me uh, a perfectly... Uh, grown-up man through the process of how to work out how much change was due which was extremely embarrassing um the point of the story being that as the customer left that little voice in my head came back and said see i told you you couldn't do it um and i i kind of um talked a little bit about um well i asked everybody in the room does that does anybody else hear that voice does anybody else hear that kind of overly discouraging voice that negative voice that creeps in what every now and again and and um and most of the people in the room agreed that they did, uh, that they had heard that voice, that they did hear that, and that that's a kind of experience that's that's true for them. And I uh, I kind of went on to tell how later on that day I I was kind of cycling home from work and just cringing over that horrible interaction, um, and how as I was just playing it over in my head that that kind of negative voice kind of kept going and and actually kind of got a little bit deeper and started to kind of so uh, kind of words like stupid through my brain and I kind of started to just play with the word stupid and take that kind of idea that maybe I really am stupid and maybe I really am just pretending to do my job and maybe I really don't know what I'm doing and um, that kind of narrative kind of just playing over and over in my head Um, and so that's kind of where the talk um, picks up. Um, I'm also going to add a few little bits at the end as well from some things that I kind of wanted to say if I had time on Sunday but didn't. So um, do have a listen at the end as well and hopefully um, this week's message blesses you. Okay, here we go. The more I entertain it, the more I allow it to speak up in my mind and in my heart, it tends to intensify, I've found, and the discouragements that come along tend to get stronger and deeper. Now, most of the time when I've had enough sleep, if I've had a few wins recently, and when the sun is shining and my mental health is doing okay, I can shrug off this little voice and I can crack on and it's okay, no further problems. But when I'm tired and when I'm discouraged, when the discouragements start to stack up a little bit, or if my mental health is on a little bit of a low ebb, I can find myself spiraling with these thoughts at times. And they can take me to a pretty dark place where I can get really down in the dumps, and I suspect you guys might be the same. Yeah, so for most of us, I had this 
I had this feeling that you guys would be on the same page with me. Um, partially, well, mostly because as part of my job as a pastor, as I get to chat to you guys, um, some of you guys during the week, and so I know that this is true for a whole load of you guys. And so my assumption is that if we haven't had this conversation yet, it's probably because we haven't had that conversation yet. And then actually this is a lived reality for all of us. I think this is a pretty universal human experience. And I think each of us experience this to a greater or a lesser degree. And each of us will have our own ways and mechanisms of coping with it. Some of us will push into escapism, alcohol, pornography, gaming, TV, whatever it is. Others of us will just push into denial, you know, getting angry at others and blame shifting. Some of us just get depressed, just giving in to the blues. For some of us, it manifests as anxiety, or maybe we just isolate ourselves. You name it, we all have ways of getting by and coping with this negative and discouraging voice that interrupts our lives and just seems to drag us down. What's going on here? Like, this is a universally experienced human experience in this room. What is that? Like, what is that voice? Does anybody have an idea? Anybody got any, any clue? Where does that voice come from? That's not rhetorical. Today, I felt led to look at this together because I believe that God wants to give us something of a gift today if we want to receive it because our Bibles actually talk uh, an awful lot about this. They have a prescription of this. They tell us what this is and crucially, I think, what we can do about it. Um, and to unpack this idea a little bit further, we're going to play a very quick game. Now, if you know me at all, you'll know I love a game. So where's Ryan? Ryan, do you want to come up? So Ryan was behind that pillar. Is he still there? Hey, there he is. Right, so we're going to play. What have we got? Two truths and a lie? Okay, two truths and a lie. Here we go. Ryan is going to share three statements. Two of them are true and one of them is a lie. Here we go. Okay, statement number one. I've been in the presence of the queen. Statement number two. I have been the lead in a musical. Oh. Statement number three, I've been in the presence of Nelson Mandela. Oh. Okay, thank you. Right, let's, let's take a quick vote. You need to stay because I don't know which one's true. Um, so, number one, who's voting for the Queen? Who thinks that one's the lie? Okay, yeah, fair few saying there's no way. Yeah, yeah, may she rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second one was being a lead in a musical. Please let that one be true. Yeah, you, th you guys think that one's a lie? Anybody think Nelson Mandela? That one's the lie. Okay, which one is the lie, please? Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. <laughs> I have so many questions. All in favor of just sacking off the rest of this and hearing about Ryan starring in a musical? Yes. Motion carries. Um, thank you, Ryan. I wanted to play that game very deliberately because um, I, I was going to play a game of true and false. But I don't want to play true and false. I wanted to play a game that talked about lying because I wanted Ryan to come and tell us a lie. And I use that word really deliberately because our Bibles would encourage us to believe that when we hear that overly negative, discouraging narrative in our heads, that those statements are actually lies. They may well be false, but they're more fundamentally lies. What's the difference between a statement that's false and a lie? Are they not the same thing? A statement that is false and a lie, what's the difference? Thank you. A false statement could be a mistake. Couldn't have said it better myself. I could say to you that I think that the earth is flat, 
And I could say that thinking that that's true. It is a false statement, because the earth is round. Sorry. Um, it's, a, that is a, it's a false statement, but I believe that it's true, and so there's no malice there. But with a lie, I know what's true, but I'm telling you something else. I'm telling you something else in order to deceive you, in order to mislead you, in order that you believe something that is not true, but I know what's true. A lie is a statement from a person spoken with the intention of misleading or deceiving another person. You get what I'm saying here. We've all been lied to. We've all told lies. The point is that all lies come from a person, and their purpose is to deceive and mislead another person. And as I said just now, our Bibles would encourage us to believe that when we hear that overly negative voice in our heads, those statements are actually lies. And so the logical question becomes, if they're lies, who is the person telling the lie? And why are they doing it? What is their motivation? And so to try and unpack that question, we are going to finally open our Bibles together. Uh, we're going to go to the first couple of pages of the Bible. Um, these are honestly some of my favorite uh, couple of chapters um, to read. The first couple of chapters of the first book in the Bible called Genesis. It's where most of the storylines in the Bible find their, um, find their uh, Genesis, find their beginning. Um, and so um, we read in the chapters before, we're going to be picking up in chapter 3. In the chapters before, God creates this amazing, beautiful world full of untapped creative potential. And we hear about how he lovingly created humanity as like the crowning moment of that creative act. And how he blessed the human humans and basically gave them a wonderful job description to basically go and be farmers and have loads of sex he did. He literally told the humans to go and do the best three things that they are able to do. Grow food, eat food, and have babies. Like, that's what he told them to go and do. God is good. And so the scene is painted. Humanity is living in this utterly ideal world, and they've been given instructions to only do the three best things that humans can do. Um, like, human humanity have never had it so good. And into this idyllic scene, something really fundamentally strange happens. One day, Eve, the first woman who's ever created, is sitting and chilling in the garden, and what happens next? It's not a trick question. What happens next? She's deceived. By who? By what? A snake. A talking snake. Uh, she's accosted by a talking snake. Just another day in the garden. So you can follow this along in Genesis 3. It says... The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, hands up here who's ever seen a snake talk. Yeah, didn't think so. Very strange. But let's try not to get too bogged down in the strangeness of that. Let's just pay attention to the fact that the snake is described as shrewd. The snake is described as shrewd. Please, can we as a group come up with a definition of the word shrewd? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Any thoughts? Cunning, clever, crafty. Throw some other things at me. Informed, very good. Manipulative, great word. Good thing, bad thing. To be shrewd, is it good or bad? Depends on the circumstance, doesn't it? Because Jesus told us to be shrewd. Very good. Jesus said some very confusing things about being shrewd, in fact. 
shrewd, cunning, crafty, clever, manipulative. Not necessarily a bad thing, but certainly well-informed. A shrewd voice interrupts Eve's life. And he's speaking to the woman. Now, let's remind ourselves of what that shrewd voice said. He said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Like, did God say that? Now, poor Eve in this moment, she's kind of caught off guard by this shrewd voice. She doesn't have the luxury that we have in just being able to flick back a few chapters to just see what God actually said. Eve is really caught off guard in this moment by this shrewd voice. Now, if we did flick back, we would see that God actually says, you may eat from every tree in the garden. His instruction is not negative. He does not say, you may not eat from any of the trees in the garden. He says, you may eat from every tree in the garden. His instruction is positive, it's expansive, it's generous. It's a wonderful instruction from a God who's already given them some wonderful instructions. Now, God does give a caveat. He says, you may eat from 99% of the trees in the garden, but you may not eat from that one, because if you do, you will die. Okay, fair enough. But the shrewd voice has taken God's statement, and he's twisted it a bit, hasn't he? He's twisted it just a bit. And poor Eve is caught on the spot. And she responds to the shrewd voice by saying, of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Ping, 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 ping. Well done, Eve. 10 out of 10. That is exactly what God said. But then she goes just a smidge further. She says, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Don't eat it. Don't even touch it. Now, God didn't say, don't even touch it, did he? He didn't say that. He said, don't eat it. He never said anything about don't even touch it. God originally said, don't eat it. That's quite a big difference. If God said, don't eat it, he's still good. He's still generous. Even if he says, if you eat that, you're going to die. He's a good God because he's given them an instruction that is preserving their life. But there seems to be a sense of doubt that the shrewd voice has sown into her mind at this space. A a sense of doubt that says, hmm, maybe God isn't good. Maybe he's not quite as good and generous as I thought. Maybe God actually said, don't eat it, don't even touch it. Maybe God said, don't even look at it. Don't even so much as look or think about it. Don't even think about looking at it or you'll die. All of a sudden, God is sounding awfully petty, isn't he? He's not necessarily good anymore, is he? He's pretty petty. Don't even think about that fruit or you'll die. Maybe God can't be trusted. Fundamentally, that shrewd voice has forced Eve to ask the question, is God good? And many of you will know what happens next in the story. Eve eventually does eat the fruit and the rest is history. So what do we make of that story? What can we take out of it? Is this just a strange tale about magical talking snakes from thousands of years ago? I don't think so. One of the things I've been learning recently um, about this story is that we're meant to read this story uh, of Eve and the snake in the garden as a parallel to our own lives. We're supposed to put ourselves into Eve's shoes and recognize our daily lives. Each moment of our lives as being stood at that tree with what is possibly the most important question that we could ever ask on our lips. 
Is God good? Is God good or is he petty? Is he good or is he cruel? Is God good or is he non-existent? Is God good or is he spiteful or malicious or stingy? Is God good? And if he is good, does he love us? Are we his kids? Does he want the best for me? Is God good or is he going to abandon me like my father did? Is God good or is he going to hurt me like my wife did? Is God good or is he going to mock me like my friends did? And fundamentally, this is not a story about magic talking snakes. This is a story of the battle between the greatest truth in the universe and the greatest lie in the universe. The truth is that God is good all the time and that all the time God is good. And the lie is that God is not good. That God is instead all of those other things, petty, selfish, cruel, malicious, stingy, doesn't love us, doesn't want the best for us going to abandon us he's going to hurt us he's going to mock us we're not valuable to him so i've spoken for too long now what i want you to do is turn to those around you again and just answer a really simple question do you believe that god is good all the time if yes why if no why what are the moments in your life that are easier to believe that god is good and moments in your life when it's maybe harder so again i'm going to give you uh, a couple of minutes go for it Okay, I have an eye on the time, so I'm going to cut that conversation short. I'm really sorry. Um, Because I just want to land today with um, talking about how this impacts our lives. Because most of us have acknowledged that we experience this uh, all the time. That we experience this voice which speaks negativity over us. And I strongly believe that that voice we're hearing, it's not just a negative voice. That it is a shrewd voice. It's not just that those statements are negative. It's that those statements are lies. And that those lies come from a person who knows the truth about who you are and who I am and wants to mislead you, wants to disrupt you, wants to distract you. Fundamentally, I think there's more at stake here than just you or I having a bad day. There's more at stake here than just some sabotaged self-esteem. Fundamentally, those thoughts might seem like they're aimed at us, But actually, I believe those thoughts are aimed at God. They're aimed at our perception of God and our belief about who he is and how he has made us. I think it's aimed at our belief in the answer to that question that Eve was asking at the tree. Is God really good? Like, did he make me? Or did he make any mistakes when he made me? Does God love me? And if he loves me, does he truly accept me? Am I I valuable? Am I worthy of love? These are all questions which we need to know a truthful answer to and which our enemy is intent on feeding us malicious lies. So what is the truth? If we can spend our days being fed lies by a shrewd enemy, what is the truth? Well, I believe that the truth is that each of us are carefully and wonderfully made, that God knows the hairs on each of our heads, that he sees each of us, and regardless of what we might think of him, he looks at us with love. I believe that he loves us and has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. I believe that God has good things in store for each of us in both this life and in whatever comes next. I believe that God wants us to live rich, full, and abundant lives, both now and forever. 
I believe that there is such a thing as objective truth in this crazy world. Yes, I said it. And I believe that we can't live our lives well without a foundation of truth. I believe that a wise person builds their house upon a rock of truth so that when the rains come down and the floods come up, the house that's built on truth will stand tall. I believe that truth comes from our God who is a God of truth, and that that truth is designed to set us free and not tie us down. The truth comes from God is designed to drive out fear from our hearts and give us confidence and peace. I believe that Jesus is the embodiment of that truth, that if you want to know what God says is true, go and look and listen to Jesus, because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. I also believe that God has an enemy, And because he's God's enemy, he's our enemy too. I don't believe we chose him. I think he chose us. I believe that that enemy's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy us. That he's prowling around us, looking for someone to devour like a hungry wolf. I believe that the Bible says about this enemy that he's a deceiver. That he's the father of lies. That his primary posture towards us is as an opponent. That fundamentally he is opposed to us and opposed to our thriving. I believe that we have credited this enemy with way more power than he's actually due. That he has, he's way less powerful than we think. That fundamentally he only has one weapon. And that is the weapon that he used against Eve. And that weapon is lies. Whispered discouragements, distractions and distortions. I believe that we might own, he might only really have one tool. But he's an absolute master at using it that he can destroy lives and families, he can cripple generations with well-placed lies and whispered words, that he can cause nations to go to war, families to divide, and abuse to perpetuate with the power of lies. But I also believe that we have the power to rob him of his only weapon, that we can choose to take the lies and we can eat them, we can let them nourish us, we can let them feed us, we can let them grow in us, we can let them form who we are, We can let them distort us until we start to speak those lies over ourselves. Or we can take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. We can reject those lies for what they are. We can choose to disarm the enemy and and take away his only weapon. If we are armed with the truth and armed so firmly that we're wearing it like a belt, then no matter what fiery arrows of hopelessness and discouragement may come our way, we will be ready. When we're armed with truth, that God, the truth that God is good all the time, and that all the time God is good, we will know the truth, that we are his loved kids, that he will fight for us, that he loves us, that he has equipped us. And when we know the truth that God is generous and kind, that we can hear those lies for what they are, just pathetic attempts to derail the thing that the God of the universe has set into motion. The truth that God is love and those who live in love live in God. I am convinced that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you. I'm now finished. I feel quite passionately about that. Thank you for indulging me. 
it's made me wonder, what are the lies that we're wandering in with today? Maybe you've had a week like I've had. Um, if I'm honest, I'm pretty tired at the moment. I'm pretty susceptible to discouragement at the moment. You know, I let that stupid moment when I couldn't serve the customer correctly really bother me. I let it add to a whole bunch of other discouragements. And I've allowed those lies to grow up within me. Until eventually I've been vocalizing some of my, those lies over myself this week. I've been saying things like, I'm a totally hopeless leader. I'm, a I'm not a particularly good father. I'm an awful manager. I'm a disappointing husband. Emily's heard me say those things in the last few weeks. That's what happens when we let those lies grow in us. Those things aren't true. I'm not perfect, but those are lies. The truth is that God is good all of the time and that we are his kids. And so I wonder, what are the lies that we've walked in with today? Maybe it's some lies about how your self-worth, about how valuable you are. Maybe it's some lies about your place in this community that you'll never really belong. Maybe it's a lie that you'll never be forgiven or free from that thing in your past. Because make no mistakes, the stakes are really high here. We're not just talking about having a bad week and some low self-esteem. Each of us has been positioned in this city at this time to make a real impact for God and for the kingdom whether we know it or not. And when the enemy is sowing lies into our hearts, he's not just trying to give us a bad week. He's trying to derail who we are and what God has called us here to do. Okay, so at this stage, the kiddos, wonderful kiddos, came back in and joined us, which is always wonderful. Um, and we had a moment to pray together as a church uh, and really pray over the kids as well, which was really precious. Um, but just a couple of really practical application things that I wanted to add, um, should time have allowed, which they didn't, um, was um, just a couple of really simple things about how we as a church community can function um, to really push into this together. Um, the first question really is to just ask, the question of, of ourselves how do I best hear God's voice of truth how do I best hear the truth that God would speak over me because we've acknowledged that that negative voice that shrewd voice from our enemy comes um, when we least expect it when we don't want it it just interrupts our lives and causes disruption and the the truth of the dynamic is that um, if we want to hear the truth we need to seek the truth um, and so I do believe that God is always looking to speak to us, that he always is actively speaking to us. But we need to make the time and take the effort to tune into what God is saying. And so really an adventure in trying to work out how God best and most speaks to us. And that will be different for each of us. Some of us will want to go for, you know, a long walk in nature. And, and um, some of us would, would like to, you know, might like to sit down in silence for um, 10, 15 minutes or so. Others of us will, will pray, will actively have a dialogue backwards and forwards whether that's out loud or writing in a journal or something like that uh, many of us will encounter God's word of truth um, in the in really the primary way that he's looked to communicate that, that to us which is through his bible um, whether we're finding that in the psalms or in the stories about Jesus or uh, in the letters that were written after Jesus life wherever we're finding it um, to really push into um, hearing God speaking truth over us um, in the in the pages of our Bibles. So however that is for you, um, just a really simple suggestion that you just do that as much as you possibly can. Um, and if you don't know how God speaks truth over you, I really encourage you to find out. I encourage you to try some of the things I've just mentioned. Um, silence and solitude, prayer, reading your Bible, going for long walks, um, something like that. Uh, but, but for goodness sake, we can't survive without it. So find out how God speaks to you primarily and just do that 
as much as you possibly can. Um, the second thing is a, is, a, is, a, is a more active one about how we as church are called to be a community of encouragement. Um, that we, we, are, we have a task as a church to speak, uh, speak up for truth in a world of lies um, and particularly speak up in each other's lives because the reality is, and, and we found this after the gathering as well, is that um, the message that I shared on Sunday had resonated with quite a few people in quite a deep way. Um, because this is a, this is just a deeply true and experienced reality of A, what it is to be a human and B, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And so all of us experience this to a greater or lesser degree. And so as a community of faith, as a community of Jesus, I think one of our roles is to really push into being a community of encouragement. And I think that looks like lots of different things and I could talk about it forever and ever but just for the sake of the end of this little podcast episode I think that means number one is refusing to be um, a community that perpetuates the lies that we speak over each other so you know oftentimes we can kind of mask that and saying oh it's just a bit of teasing and a bit of banter Um, but actually sometimes those words that we say could be reinforcing a lie in someone else's life so I think just really making sure that we're always speaking with kindness and truth uh, over each other um, and not reinforcing um, discouragements and lies that people that that we might be kind of speaking over ourselves Um, but also that we should be really active in speaking truth over each other that we shouldn't we shouldn't wait for an opportunity to really encourage somebody that we should engineer opportunities to be encouraging that we should um, we should go out of our way to speak truth and life and encouragement over one another which is something I see our church doing all the time so really this is more a case of keep doing what you're already doing um, but just to say you know if if you notice that somebody is kind of doing something and doing it really well for goodness sake would you tell them would you tell them that they're amazing would you even if someone's just going about their daily business would you just interrupt them and just tell them how much god loves them and how precious they are because you never know that could be the thing that they really need to hear and we can really we can really be god's messages in that way and the other thing to say is to really engage in church community as deeply and as vulnerably as you can uh, because really we are um, we're called to be building one another up and so if you are going through a moment where you're you're being particularly battered down by some lies then it's a time to push into church community and not pull out it's a time to push in and say hey look I'm hearing this you know I'm feeling like I'm 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 not as not valuable or not loved or something like that and just allow your your friends and your fellow brothers and sisters to come around you and say no that's not true I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what's true um because that's how we function that's how we live together that's how we love together that's how we fight together um so yeah so i encourage you to engage deeply in church i encourage you to look for opportunities to speak love life and truth over each other um and i encourage you to just kind of do a bit of a check on your on your speech um otherwise and ask is there some ways where i'm actually spreading discouragement rather than encouragement um and to just just not do that anymore um and yeah push into however you best hear god's voice of truth and do that a whole lot more um guys it was really fun on sunday love you guys lots and we'll see you very very soon uh yeah see you soon bye